G'day, what's up? It's Aiden Jones, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 29th of August, 2023. How you going? I hope all is well with you. I am currently in Glasgow Airport, sitting in some kind of restaurant bar situation. <sighs> yeah, man, the fringe is over. It's done. We did it. It was... Oh, you know what? I feel very uh like centered and i feel like i have a bit of a plan i've got my tea here i'm gonna run you guys through my plan tell you how i arrived at it and um yeah i don't know i guess tell a few stories i mean yeah oh honey oh that's a good tea yes man i got a tea where am i what's it called party and so so sunnet Bird, bird and bonnet, something like that. I don't know, mate. It's next to Starbucks. I've got a little spot in the corner here. The guy next to me has got his headphones on. He'll never hear me. He'll never fuck. Oh, yeah, I was just at the bar. And, um, I mean, some guy's just looking over at me here. Just don't fucking look at me, cunt. Um, <laughs> I was just at the bar getting my tea. I was wearing my hat. And uh, this lady was like, oh, you got a nice hat there, lady. And I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm, it's a new hat for me, actually, so I'm really enjoying it. Which struck me as an odd thing that I said, to be enjoying your hat. You know, you're just walking around the world. <laughs> like, you're not consciously enjoying a hat. And if you were, that would be absurd. You're just walking around like, this hat, I'm enjoying my hat. I'm enjoying my hat. <laughs> Silly. So, um, yeah, I was like, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. She goes, oh, where are you from then? I'm like, oh, I'm from Australia. She goes, oh, my God, I love Married at First Sight Australia. <laughs> and then she said something about the hoose. That's always on in my hoose, something like that. I don't know. But that was nice. It's nice to remember that uh, being Australian's cool and people like it. Man, I'm so proud to be Australian after this festival. There are so many great Australian comics doing great things in the UK and it just feels like more and more each year are coming over and there's no no shit comics are coming from Australia or at least very few. Obviously, there's shit ones. But, like, the majority of the comics coming to the Edinburgh Fringe from Australia are good, make good impressions, do good shows, and it's just very exciting to see the contingent grow every year. We're getting stronger and uh, there's just a lot of people doing great work. And you know what I've realised as well? We were talking about this on the last night of the festival. We all went out and had our hang. You know what? I'll do. I'll do my. Uh, I'll try and think of a highlight and a low light for the festival, or just go back over some memories. But um, so the last night we went out, and yeah, we were just talking about. We we're talking about like. I think for a long time my approach to comedy was that if it doesn't work in an open mic and in a club then there's no point in doing it, you know? But there are bits that I do that wouldn't work at open mics, that they're too long at this point or too kind of physical or they're just, yeah, like the bit, the bit that I dance salsa, you know, springs to mind. Or, or a long story I have about my rabbit when I was a kid that's in my show that's like an eight-minute story and it doesn't even really have that many funny parts and it definitely doesn't really have a funny punchline at the end, but people always say 
that it's their favorite story or one of their favorite stories in the show. People remember it. They talk about it. They tell me. And a lot of the acts that I saw this year, the stuff that they do, again, didn't really fit into the kind of comedy club or open mic mold of a comedian. Um, Hannah Camilleri, great example. Characters, one of the best shows that I saw at this festival. Could you do any of it in a five-minute set of stand-up? Absolutely not. It would be so out of place. I feel like she has done that in the past. It never really worked for her. I haven't seen her around in ages, but she's clearly still just been working on what she does. And uh, the thing that she does is now so fucking good. So I guess I've just been thinking about what I do. And, you know, I want to go out and do mics and and work on jokes and stories in that context. But it's not the only way to do it. And um, here's the decision I made. I took mushrooms, by the way, on Sunday night. And my breakup list is done. A very silly and meaningless set of tasks that I gave myself when me and my ex broke up three months ago. It's done. I've completed it. And I've taken it out of the back of my phone. I want to take it home and put it in my little box of keepsakes. And that'll just be another thing that slowly loses relevance to my life in my box. But it felt really good and important even to finish it, to just get a bit of distance between me and the breakup and I feel like after that the fringe and after that last night of the fringe I feel like I'm in such a different place to where I was three months ago all the things that I was focusing on then they've kind of you know arced out or like kind of just reached their conclusion or whatever and I have a new plan I have a fucking plan here's my plan my new show the piano show I'm very excited about it and on Sunday night, I was talking with uh, a dear friend who I've spent a lot of time this month with, and we were talking about a story at the end of my show last year. You know what? I'll tell even, I'll, I'll say who it is. I won't say the name, but it's the girl from the story with the fairy wings who I slept with last year during the Fringe. And that story with the fairy wings is at the end of my most recent show, The Morning After. It's a closing story. And I had done my last gig on the Sunday, my last show. I had no other spot. I cancelled all my fucking spots. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> I cancelled every spot after my last show. Um, so that when I walked off stage on my last show, took the money, sold my last T-shirts. I sold all the T-shirts. By the way, thank you to anyone who's listening from that last week of shows and anyone who's still listening. Had a big bump in listeners last week, 125 downloads probably about 50 more than usual and you know what I will be shocked if those (laughs) if any of you guys listened last week and you're back again mate you're very clear you know what they say you do heroin for a week and you're hooked for life (laughs) this podcast I wouldn't say it's addictive as heroin but it is as damaging to your (laughs) future prospects If you listen to this podcast for a month straight, I reckon you're fucking in, mate. You're one of the 54. We're expanding. We're getting close to 70. Um, So anyway, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listening, everyone who came to the shows and all of that, blah, blah, blah. Good on you. Thanks. (laughs) Cheers, cunt. Um, But after that last show, I walked off and then I was talking to my friend. We went and had had a wonderful dinner after the last show. Uh, this Italian joint called Vino Bibo, I think, something like that. 
I'd walked past it a few times. We went in there. We ate beautiful food. We had mussels. We had burrata. We had salmon. Mwah. Oh, wonderful. And then uh, we went and saw Dan Tiernan's show, which was nominated for Best Newcomer, the beautiful Dan Tiernan. What, oh, fantastic. I saw so many good shows this week. I saw so many good shows or festival. Um, he had this great joke. Uh, uh, whatever, I'll fucking I'll sell this joke. I'm not Bill Burr. I can fucking reveal other people's jokes. Who gives a fuck? He's talking about the guy who's dating his mum now, his stepdad or whatever. It's like... You know, he's like a really nice guy, but he does a few annoying things. Like he digs at the butter really deep. He makes toast all the time and he puts his, for, his, his knife right in the butter and just digs really deep in it. And he talks about the minute, you know, the way that that annoys him. And then he goes, and then, he do, and then you know what else he does? He fucks my mum. <laughs> and he's like screaming like he's kind of set up in the first half hour of the show his character of just this guy that's pretty unhinged he's dyspraxic he doesn't know really how to relate to people that well and he's always screaming and shouting like he's just got this unhinged kind of energy and then that joke falls about halfway through the show and you're used to his unhingedness by this point so when he screams about he he fucks my mom it was just so perfectly pitched the show was oh it was fantastic like Huge congratulations to Dan Tien, and I can absolutely see why that would get nominated for Best Newcomer. I didn't see the rest, but they must have been damn good if he didn't win because his show was phenomenal. Um, and then after that, my friend and I were walking back to the house uh, to do our mushrooms, back to the, the accommodation where I stayed at to do our mushrooms. And uh, Or maybe it was after... We, no, you know what? It was after we took the mushrooms, actually. We went back to mine took our mushrooms with some tea i had a shower we tripped out for a little bit at home and then around midnight we went back into town to see everyone and do all of that and on the walk back i'm talking about my show and i was thinking you know like because we met me and this friend we met at the edinburgh fringe a year ago that night you know when we uh what it was was her friend had the same story as me, i.e. her mum was backpacking in South America, slept with a man, came back to Scotland and then found out she was pregnant. And so that the friend came to my show, told me that we had the same story and we slept together. And then two nights later, I'm out, you know, seeing if we, she wanted to sleep with me again. Um, but she got too drunk and so it wasn't going to happen. And then me and her friend, who's now, the, you know, this friend that I'm still friends with now, we were like, well, we got to take her home. We go take her home. On the way home, we have this great connection while her friend's really drunk and she's half vomiting all over the place. And me and this girl were just... We had a wonderful conversation. I remember we were talking about poetry. I even... I think I read a poem to her while I was holding her friend up to make sure she could keep walking and not fall onto the street. And I read her... I think I read her Air and Light and Space and Time by Charles Bukowski. And uh, I just... The connection we had was incredible. And now I tell the story of that night on stage at this show at the end of the morning after and I I realised when we were on Mushrooms walking back to the city together that that story is like a silly fun story about sex and drugs and whatever and and, um, you know it's just a crazy photo but also contained within that story is the memory of the wonderful connection that I had with someone who is now a dear friend of mine and I don't really touch on that in the story, and it's not that funny, but I think it would be interesting to explore how to let that bleed into the story more. 
and um, I guess just in a year our friendship has changed and it's more meaningful to me and to her and to us and so the story changes because not only is it a story of a silly night where I got laid it's also a story of how I met my friend and the sad thing about realizing that on the last night of my show is that I will never have the opportunity to explore that in the context of the show because the show's done and what a shame to learn something really kind of wonderful about a bit of stand-up that I've written and uh, you know the, the run of the show only is a year and it's done and I'm just I'm so determined to not let that happen again with this new show the piano show so my plan is I'm not doing the Australian festivals this year I'm not doing Perth I'm not doing Adelaide I'm not doing Melbourne Sydney all of it I'm going to keep going to the clubs I'm doing the Sydney Comedy Store at the start of October I'm doing Melbourne Comics Lounge weekend next weekend um, you know and I'll do Republic and I'll do Good Chat and I'll do the sit down and I'll go over to Perth and do the lounge out there I'll do all of the clubs in Australia I have inns now at all of the clubs I reckon I can get into all of them and I'll go and do that and maybe I'll put on a couple solos here and there, maybe some trials of the piano show or maybe just some, you know, do an hour or whatever, but I'm not doing a tour. I'm not writing a new show. I'm working on the piano show. I've got a director, my friend Casey, who is just finished studying at Gaulier and he's been an actor for 10 years and he's helped me work on physicality and some of my bits. We sat down one afternoon to work on some shit from the show and I said, do you want to be the director for this show? And he said, yes. And I'm going to get another goal that I'm going to go for is when I get back to my... Because look, okay, let me take another sip of tea. I think the idea that I want to put forward in this show is that for a long time in my life, I have just allowed things to happen to me out of a fear of articulating to myself what it is that I actually want because I feel that if I do that, I won't get it because I don't deserve things because I have a low opinion of myself. So rather than decide on something that I actually want and then pursuing that in a kind of active, positive way, I just wait for things to come to me and then I, you know, either accept or reject them. But either way, it's not something that I've gone, I want that and gone and got it. It's something that I've gone, oh, you know, maybe. Yeah, I'll take that. Or like, yeah, that's come my direction, so good enough. And I mean, even my, I was thinking the other day, like when I wrote Taco, which has been my best show and my greatest success to date, and I had meetings with, a management agency in Australia and the person who I met said at the end of the meeting I just wanted to meet you and see and make sure that Taco wasn't a fluke and at the time I thought well, that's insane how could it possibly be a fluke and it's true I've been working for 10 years and I have you know worked on my skill as a comic and all of this and that's what that's in the show but also a part of the reason why Taco was so successful and good is because of the enforced one-year break that I had from when I was going to perform it to when I did perform it at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And during that year, I thought about the show more and it deepened my understanding of the things that I was trying to say. And it was maybe at 80% already, but I think that took it to like 90 95%. And that extra 10 or 15% is really important in the development of the show. 
So I'm going to keep working on this new show this year. I have some ideas for how I'm going to work on it. <clears throat> I'm also talking about making positive decisions. I want to find a new piano teacher in Melbourne and um, work on just playing the piano, maybe learn some new repertoire, whatever it is. I mean, maybe I'll even end up playing a different song. I, I don't think, I, at this stage, I don't think I will. I really like playing Chopin's Nocturne E-flat major. But, um, you know, I'm open to that as well. I'm open to everything, and that's it. I've got a year before I need to even think about doing this show again. So I've got a full year's run to work at this show, and then in 2024 I'll take it to the Edinburgh Fringe as another work in progress for a month, maybe in a 50-seat room. That'd be great. By that time, hopefully think about getting some kind of promo images ready, and, like, again, I can take my time with that. I can think about exactly the kind of images that I want. I can find a good photographer who I like and uh, take some time with those images and make sure that they're really good, find a designer for the poster, design a fantastic poster, and um, maybe that'll be ready for Edinburgh next year or maybe not even. Maybe I'll just do a, another simple poster for the work in progress and then really come out for the Australian festivals. But point is, in a year's time, I will have such a better idea of what this show is going to be, and even then, I'll still have another six months from through Edinburgh next year and then after that to work on it before I think about taking it to Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane or around Australia in 2025 and then I will take it to Edinburgh in that year on a paid fringe venue and then after that I think the plan is to move to Manchester or London to move back to the UK but you know what these are my goals right immediate goal when I go back to Melbourne I want to get a job I want to get just a job that I can work at easily and then once I've got money coming in I want to find a work setup that I can do in the medium to long term like maybe tour guide work maybe this podcast editing work that I'm going to do for a friend all this kind of stuff and I'm going to pay off all of my debts I think I'm about 7,000 Australian dollars in debt at the moment then, once I've done that, I'll start saving money. And I'm just going to book a few club dates around the country, you know, maybe one weekend a month go away. Meanwhile, while I'm working and paying off those debts, as soon as I get back to Australia, I'm downloading dating apps again. And I'm going on the fucking apps, mate. That's what I'm doing. And I've got a year's worth of photos of me with a shaved head and the beard. I'm looking good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling myself. And I'm ready to get out there and start dating again. And that's the rest of the year now, you know. Start dating, maybe meet a nice lady, maybe not. Who knows? Have some fun on some dates, meet some people, enjoy myself. And uh, I think I'm only going to do... So I've got that, that week in Sydney and I might, I might book a week in Perth at the comedy club in Perth. And um, so that's two weeks away. And other than that, I'm just in Melbourne. I'm hanging out. I'm going on dates. I'm doing nice shit. I'm seeing my friends. I'm doing comedy maybe four nights a week. I'm working maybe four days a week. And the rest of the time, I'm going to go out and see shows. I'm going to do piano lessons, you know, find a teacher. Like it was, It's like searching for a therapist. When I went to therapy, I found one. I went for a bit. I decided it wasn't quite for me. I went to another one. I went to another one until I found one that I liked and settled on it. That's what I want to do with piano. I'm just going to go to the first piano teacher that I find. I'm just going to literally fucking... I might even just type piano piano lessons. 
No, nah, I'm not going to do that. I got a friend. But I don't know if I want to learn jazz or keep going with classical. I'm not sure. Maybe I want to do grade eight, you know? That's kind of where I was. Maybe I want to do my grade eight. But I just want to deepen my knowledge of the piano and my understanding of it for the show because that'll deepen the show. And God damn it, I'm so fucking excited. Right now, I'm on, way to, on my way to Paris. Oh, you know what else I decided? I don't think I'm going back to do any Still Not Drunk podcast. It's done. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And I'm not worrying about the Patreon right now. I don't know. I don't have a good idea for the Patreon for this podcast. So well done, you grubs. You made it through another period of me trying to monetize your... <laughs> Your attentions, I don't know, mate. Maybe that's something to just think about on the back burner. I've no fucking idea what kind of Patreon shit I would like to do. But until I have a good idea, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to rush something out that I don't want to do. Maybe uh, maybe I could just do another one of these every week or, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to have the idea now, so I'm not going to worry about it. <sighs> so highlights and lowlights from the festival. High lights and low lights. What was the best? You know what? I reckon the best gig that I did might have been that first week, the Shaggers spot that I did where I was talking about the list and trying to fuck people. That was a great spot. Um, some of the worst sets I did were, you know what? Actually, this last week, I've really been through an up and down. Like, there was a period after I recorded the podcast last week Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where I was like, you know what, maybe I'm going to quit comedy. I was really thinking like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here with this. I'm so tired. And I've just, I was feeling like I don't, like, I don't know that I have anything to say when I get on stage because I was just going on stage and feeling unhappy with my, I guess, my position in the industry and what I had gotten out of the fringe. This year at the fringe, by the way, 1,200 people saw me perform compared to 1,800 last year. 600-ish. It's a rough estimate, but reasonably accurate, I reckon. 600 fewer people saw me this year than last year. And I made uh, one pound on average more per person. So I ended up grossing 7,500 pounds and uh, coming away with... Uh, at the moment, about £4,000 in my bank account. I spent £1,000 on flyering. I probably spent another £1,000 on seeing shows. And let's say I spent about £1,000 on, on food and crap for the month as well, maybe 1500 So, yeah, that's about right. Um, but on that last week, I was just like, unhappy with I guess the festival you know feeling like I'd even maybe gone backwards from last year in terms of people knowing me and coming to see me and whatever and uh, just feeling really hopeless and rather than I mean I don't know what else to do with that feeling but all I know is the way that I do comedy is I just go straight on stage and I need to share with the audience how I'm feeling but unfortunately in those moments I couldn't think of another way to share with the audience how I was feeling in that moment other than to take it out on them. And so that's what I was doing. I was going on stage, feeling like crap and taking it out on the audience in various ways, either by shouting at them or by being kind of belligerent and wasting their time and then laughing about wasting their time and being spiteful and 
doing my jokes and trying not to tell them, but they're not being able to contain that emotion. And so doing my jokes in a really kind of angry, grumpy, or just like low energy way. Everything I was doing on stage, for, there was one day, I think it might have been Thursday, I bombed all fucking day. The morning show, 1.30pm, was okay. The two spots after that, I did two short sets and I bombed both. And then my 6.15 show, I bombed as well. And, uh, I mean, what money did I make that day? I reckon it was Thursday. Let's see what my money was on Thursday. And the numbers were low and I was just... Sunday, Saturday, but... Uh, nah, it was Wednesday. Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. 10 people for £25 in the early show and 12 people for £100 in the late show. There were some days where I didn't make the month, the Tuesday, 50 and 186. Oh, I don't know. There were some days where I just... Boy, 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 did I not have good days, you know? <sighs> and I was at uh, a showcase show with my dear friend Peter Jones, who is one of the wise men of comedy. And sometimes it's easy to forget, but the guy's almost 10 years older than me. He's got a lot more experience in life. And um, a bit of perspective. And he's just, he's a smart dude and he's, you know, he's great. And he, he knows how to be happy. And, uh, oh, I know what I'm going to do to read the podcast this week. Did I read you guys the Beatles thing that my friend James Donald Forbes McCann wrote? I don't think I did. JDF. That's how I'm going to finish the podcast this week. So, Pete, uh, I was saying to him, you know, I've been, like, considering quitting comedy. I don't think I'm going to, but the fact that I'm considering it is already, like, you know, fuck, I'm in a bad place. And um, it's good to consider it, I guess. It's good just to ask that question. Do I want to keep doing this? After 12 years and everything that I have, would I like to keep doing this? And he said, well, look, you got to ask yourself, what do you actually want out of this? And he goes, and he kind of put these words in my mouth a little bit. So I still have to, I guess, ask myself whether this is what I want. But I think it is. He said, do you want to make another great you know, special like Taco and record a special. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, right, well, then everything you do, ask whether it is in service of that goal. And if it's not, then you don't do that thing. And it's very simple, but it makes complete sense, right? It's like if I want, and I, and I do want to do that, I want to create a great show and then film it and release it. And if I want to do that, it's like, okay, before filming it it's make the show how do I make the show well what's not helping me make a great show is putting this pressure on myself to do all of these festivals every year it's just not it's not helpful so I'm not going to do that and that's the kind of comic that I think I am I'm not a put a special out every year volume kind of guy I am a take my time tell a great story create a great piece you know that's always the way that it's been. The story, the pitch, the show, whatever. So if I want to do that, then I've just got to think, how do I plan that? That's a goal that I'm shooting for. How do I kind of set my life up around that goal and in service of that goal? So that's where I've made the decision to not do the festivals next year. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the goal is to do it in Edinburgh and, and kind of put a lot of work into a show and make a big impact the first year that I do Edinburgh as a paid fringe big artist and, you know, do all the promo and all of that, get a publicist, whatever. And um, then once I do that, figure out a way to record it that kind of captures... I, I saw Fleabag in the cinemas a few years ago, the uh, one-woman show that she put on when she went to Edinburgh and then made the TV show. Before she made the TV show, it was a one-woman show in Edinburgh and she filmed it in the theatre and I saw a theatrical release of that film of her doing it, you know? That could be really cool. But, like, what I want to do with this show is I want to make it something that when you walk in... I talked about this last week. When you walk in to the space, whether it's a theatre or, you know, a comedy club or whatever, you feel like we're in a different space now. This is special. This is a special experience. There's been a lot of work and effort been put into this. And, yes, it's important to have the staging, but also the show needs to live up to that, like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, right? It's a great stadium, and right now our team is not as good as the stadium, and it would be useless for me to have a show where the staging is all really evocative and makes you feel a certain way and, and puts you in a certain kind of headspace. And then I go on stage and just rattle off a 50-minute, you know, set of like reasonably well done but not quite finished bits and stories and whatever. It's not, no, I can't. I could not waste the audience's time with that. I think about Gary Starr. <coughs> Damien Warren Smith, a mate of mine. Uh, if you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen Gary Starr. He does these incredible theatrical shows about theatre where, you know, Gary Starr performs everything. He performed every genre of theatre in an hour. And the shows are just so... I mean, they're, they're spectacular. They fucking come and they shake you and they go, look at this thing. This is the show. This is a fucking show and you're going to remember it. I want to do that. So that's what I'm going to do. Two years, man. Two-year plan. That's the name of the podcast this week. Two-year plan. Two-year plan. Two-year plan. Two-year plan. Great. Highlight, low light. Highlight, low light of the fringe. That would be my low light that day. Yeah, definitely that day, thinking that I was going to quit comedy, just considering quitting comedy. Um, highlight. I'm not sure. I've met some friends. I've made some new friends and, and got some kind of friendships that are deeper this year, um, which has been, you know, really great. Always wonderful to make new friends and solidify old friendships and... Uh, Saw some great shows. Julia Masley's still the best show that I saw. Dan Tiernan on Sunday was amazing. Mike Babiglia was amazing. John Hastings was incredible. John Hastings did this thing on stage where he delivers his bits to, like, one person in the audience sometimes. He'll get someone, look at them, not get right up in their face, but just be looking at them, and suddenly it's like he's addressing that one person. Everyone else can see that he's addressing that one person. And he's doing the bit to them, but he's also, in a way, doing it to everyone else. It's just, it's, it's very captivating when he does that. And 
I saw him do that and then I tried to do it the next day at my show and it's really hard <laughs> because you start looking at one person and they get uncomfortable and you have to hold their eye contact and really be just like, I'm looking at you now. That's what's going on. This bit's for you. I think I want to try that. Yeah, maybe I'll try and learn how to do that in Melbourne and see what I learn from that. I've got a week at the fucking comics lounge next week, man. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 15-minute sets each time. I'm going to go in there on Wednesday and I'm going to do my set and I'm going to fucking crush, man. Let me tell you. I'm going to do the finger bit. I'm going to do the jail bit. I'm going to do the getting fired from jobs bit. I'm going to do the story with my grandpa. And there's one. There's room for one more bit in there. I don't know what bit I'm going to do. I'll probably do stuff about being half Colombian. We'll see, man. I've got a fucking bunch of stuff to draw from and I'm just going to go on and crush so fucking hard at these shows that they have to have me back for another weekend in a few months time that's what I'm going to do and then I'm going to go to the store in October and do my seven minute sets and I'm going to crush those as well I'm going to do the grandpa DJ stuff and it's going to be fucking sick and they're going to be like why the fuck have we not been booking this guy for tens for years oh mate I've got a fire in me about that. I've absolutely got a fire in me. <sighs> what other highlights? Or do I just read this James Donald Falls McCann thing? Man, he's so fucking good. <laughs> this is uh, the James Donald Forbes McCann Catamaran Plan Stan podcast, as always. Let me read it here. I don't have heaps of time. My flight's soon. I'm going to Paris. I want to see my friends. I want to be a bit of a tourist in Paris. I never really have before. I'm going to do a gig there on Sunday. If you're in Paris, come down to wherever the fuck this gig is. I don't know. I haven't even replied to the message yet, but I'm doing it. I haven't even booked my flight to, to Vienna yet. And then next week, I'm going to see my biological dad. Are you close with him? Well, I call him my biological dad, so there you go. That's a joke that someone else told me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go do that. I fly, I fly home next Thursday, the 7th. I'm home on the 9th, and I can't wait. Anyway, this is uh, James Donald Forbes McCann's poem peace writing I'm not sure but it's called Beatles when you're a kid it's all Ringo he's the voice on Thomas the Tank he's Octopus's garden he's Yellow Submarine he's even the lullaby he's the funny one he has the only really distinctive voice and he plays drums and kids love the drums because they're primitive immediate stupid and loud the drums or the kids yes and you don't know as a child that the reason his voice is distinctive is because it is, from a technical standpoint, worse. You don't know that the other Beatles wrote his songs for him. You don't know that he wasn't even the best drummer in the band. Adolescence begins the moment Ringo isn't your favourite Beatle anymore. Then your favourite Beatle is John. Unless you're a boring person for whom the wife-beating eclipses the music. But I think those people only pretend to be that way at parties to get pussy. Because John is great. The songs, the persona, Yoko, New York, Dick Cavett, long hair, bed piece, short hair, heroin, revolution, God, being tortured. It's all top stuff. So invariably, you resent Paul because you love John and they fell out. Simple, sanguine Paul. Sure, Paul can bang out a melody, but the lyrics are suspect. He's not a serious person. And maybe he helped John develop his art. They helped each other in those early days. But, you know, a nudge, Maxwell's silver hammer, a wink, etc. But when you are a man with children and responsibility, you see the thing clearly. Paul is and always has been the one. Paul is a gift. He's not simple. He is simplicity. He's not shallow. He's light. 
He takes a sad song and he doesn't disingenuously make it a happy song. He makes it better. The adolescent mistakenly presumes that happiness is stupidity. The adult knows that happiness is a choice, an obligation, a kindness to others and oneself. True happiness is not and never has been a warm gun. Happiness is daytime, nighttime suffering. It's doing it on the road. It's putting Michael Parkinson on the cover of your album just because you can. It's living in hope of deliverance from the darkness that surrounds us. Maybe you go through a George phase, maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. All things must pass, and a George phase passes quickly. Incredible. And the best comment someone's put, I loved it until I reached the George slide. He's so underrated. Shame on you. And James just said, you feel that way now, but give it time. <laughs> just, just wonderful. Um, yeah, man. That's it, I think. That's the podcast for the week. Look, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Edinburgh, for another illuminating, revelatory seminal year at the fringe seminal i don't know great let's just say great a good year at the fringe and everyone who came to the shows and everyone who's come to a show and is now listening to this podcast thank you for giving us a crack mate if you're still here just another couple weeks and you're gonna be fucking hooked bro i hope you guys are having a good week wherever you're at this has been aiden jones sitting under a tree peace